Hi guys and welcome to episode 3 of SSI True Crimes Podcast. Today's case is actually late being uploaded because it's such a big case, it's taken me ages to research, it's taken two days to type up, so I do apologise but I am here and I'm ready. Right, so we'll get straight into the case because I don't really have a lot else to say and today I'll be covering the case of John Bonet Ramsey. Um, John Bonet Ramsey was was the six-year-old beauty pageant queen from Boulder, Colorado. I apologise if I pronounce any places wrong. It's America. I live in England. It's kind of difficult for us. So she lived with her mother, Patsy Ramsey, her father, John Ramsey, and her older brother, Burke Ramsey. Burke was nine years old at the time. John Bonet Ramsey was born on the 6th of August, 1990, in Atlanta, to Patsy and John. Her name, John Bonet, is actually made up of her father's name, John Bennett, and obviously they've taken the John but removed the H and taken the N out of Bennett to make it Bonet. So it sounds French, but actually it's just John Bennett creating John Bonet. She started in child beauty pageants from the age of around three. Her hair was dyed blonde and she would wear makeup. John Bonet had won the titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Shavox, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. The videos of her in these pageants has been criticised a lot for sexualising children because it's very sexual dance moves and sexual songs that they use. But this is a big thing, especially in America, in England not so much, but I suppose we probably do have them over here. So John Bonet's favourite snack was pineapple and milk. Um and this will actually be linked into the case, so remember that pineapple with milk. She got more with other children and was described as a lovely girl with a bright future. So we're going to talk a little bit about each family member. So we've got Patsy Ramsey. She was a pageant queen herself as a child. And people have said that she was living out her pageant dreams through her daughter, John Bonet. Patsy had ovarian cancer, so cancer of the ovaries, in 1996. But had got the all clear just before Christmas. John Ramsey was president of a company called Access Graphics, a computer systems company. So being president, he was quite uh, high up in the company. He had, this was his second marriage. His first marriage had ended in divorce in 1978. And he had two living children from that marriage, a son and a daughter. He did have another daughter from that marriage, but she died in a car crash in 1992 at the age of 22. Um, so this is his second family. And he moved them to Boulder, Colorado in 1991 because that's actually where the Access Graphics headquarters were. So it made more sense for him to be in Boulder. So Burke Ramsey was nine years old. There isn't a load of information out there about him, but I suppose, you know, he he's still alive. He still has a life. Maybe he likes to keep it private. Um... There was an interview where somebody described him as short-tempered. Um, he had been known to lash out at John Bonet, 
Um, he even hit her on the face with a golf club, leaving a small scar on one of her cheeks. I have watched interviews with with him, and he he's a bit strange. People describe him as like socially awkward. So yeah, there isn't tons of information about him really. So now to the actual case. First, we're going to talk about the month sort of leading up to the case, which is December 1996. So on the 13th of December 1996, the Ramsey family held a church party at their home. This party was attended by around 150 members of their church. Um, then we move to the 23rd of December 1996. The Ramsey family held a Christmas party at their home. This was again attended by around 30 people. Um, during this party, a 911 call was actually placed. Um, but the caller hung up without saying anything. 911 obviously tried to call them back, but got the answering machine. So, Officer BO266 attended the house to check everything was okay. He arrived at the house at around 6.54pm and left at 7.09 after being assured that there was no problems and that the call must have been a mistake. <coughs> So now we are on the 25th of December 1996 and the Ramsey family awake at around 6am. They have a normal, obviously, Christmas day, spending time with their friends. Um, they attend a Christmas party at Fleet and Priscilla White's house where they had dinner and they left around 5 or 6pm. On the way home, John Bonet fell asleep in the car. So when they arrived home, John carried John Bonet inside and put her to bed. John played games with Burke for a while, then he went to bed. Burke went to bed, um, but no time for this could be confirmed. Pansy went to bed around 10 or 10.30, and John and Pansy both claimed to have seen John Bonet in her bed at around 10 o'clock. Um, John ha is said to have gone to bed at around 10.45. But obviously, these times are just guesses, really. They know it was like roughly this time. But to be honest, people don't always remember exactly what time you go to bed. It's just not important information you think to store in your memory. So on the 26th, the Ramsey family had planned to get up early because they were actually going on a family holiday to Michigan. John awoke around 5.30 and went to have a shower. Patsy awoke just after him at around 5.35, so literally about five minutes, enough time for him to get in the shower and that. Um, it was originally said that she went to wash out John Bonet's jumpsuit as John Bonet had wet the bed. But in another interview later, Patsy said that actually this wasn't true um, and that she was just packing for the holiday, putting some clothes into bags and stuff. So... This was on the third floor. They had a three-story house. So, Patsy had left the third floor by the back staircase. And then from the second floor, she had gone down a spiral staircase to the first floor. Now, in America, it's different to the UK. See, first, we have ground floor, first floor, second, third in the UK. And um, when they say first floor, they mean, like, in UK terms, ground floor. Um, so she had down, gone down the spiral staircase to the first floor. On one of the bottom steps of the staircase, Patsy found a ransom note. 
This ransom note claimed that John Bonnet had been kidnapped and they would need to pay um, 118000 to get her back. Pansy screamed and obviously ran to check if John Bonnet was in her room. This is a normal response. Which she obviously finds empty because John Bonnet's not there. John hears Patsy scream and obviously runs to see what the matter is and meets her on the staircase where they both go and check on Burke in his room where they find him safe and apparently still asleep. So John tells Patsy to call 911. This seems a little bit weird to me. Why did John need to tell Patsy? Surely as a mother she should know to call 911. But you don't know, shock does strange things stuff to people and a 911 call is logged at 5.52. After speaking with 911 Patsy phoned family and friends Fleet and Priscilla White and John and Barbara Fernie. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. These calls were said to have happened at around 6am but Officer French had arrived by 5.59 and said the calls had been placed before he arrived. <coughs> Sorry about that. So the um, timing of this case is like all over the place. Nobody seems to con to confirm times correctly. Um, Officer French is said to have done a house search and also to have read the ransom note. But again there was no time scale given or established exactly when this was supposed to have happened. So, and a police team didn't actually arrive until ten past eight. So this is like two and a half hours after, well, like two hours and ten minutes after the 911 call. I don't know why it took the police so long. And they conducted a full search of the house and spoke to witnesses. I don't really know. It, they clearly didn't really do a full search, but we'll get to that in a bit. Witnesses, what witnesses? Everyone was asleep. This was stupid o'clock in the morning. Um. So French had apparently already done a search and checked for entry points, but the police work was a little bit all over the place in this case. And no times were noted, no one was confirmed what searches happened at what time or in what order. French had searched the basement apart from one room that he never opened the door to. This would be the wine cellar. Um, when... I don't actually think he was ever actually asked about this. But I know there was an inquiry done. <coughs> and he said that it was locked. But then it also said that he didn't check it because... It didn't lead out of the house, so he didn't think there would be an entry point, so he didn't bother looking. Looking. The Whites had arrived at the house around 6.06am. Fleet White had searched the basement, apparently, the train room and the wine cellar room. That's interesting to note, because he said that the lights in the basement were already on. The wine cellar door was open, but obviously Officer French had said that the wine cellar door was locked. Um, he noticed a broken window in the playroom of the basement, but 
John confirmed that he broke this window during the summer and he had just never got around to fixing it. Um, Police said that he had never really checked the wine cellar because the light was off and he didn't know where the light switch was. And it was too dark for him to see anything without a light. John Ramsey had also searched the basement at around 10am, but he would later say it was between 7 and 9am. Again, with the times, it's just these things should have been noted who did what at what time and who was where when. But this police work is just terrible. Um, so yeah, John Ramsey says that he searched before Fleet had searched. And that was why the door was open and the lights were on. John said that during the search he had found the broken window actually open and that a suitcase was underneath it, but this was normally stored in a different location and he found this a bit weird. But there was loads of friends and family and police in and out of the house all morning. Some people had even cleaned the kitchen. Like seriously, why would the police let somebody clean the kitchen? Like, I'm not even a police officer, and I know that house is a crime scene. Even, you know, if you don't know what happened, it's a possible crime scene, because the ransom note was there. So the offenders had obviously been in the house. Why would you have hundreds of people walking through it? It just doesn't make any sense. So the police had arranged for the ransom money to be picked up from the bank. I have also heard that um, John went and collected it. But I don't think he did. I'm not sure. Um, and they also sat Patsy and John down and discussed if the kidnappers rung, what would happen? What to say? And that they'd already tapped like the phones and stuff to record it, and like how long to keep them on the phone for that sort of thing. But no kidnapper ever called. Two officers claimed to have cleared the residence at around 10:15, but this was untrue. Because there was friends of the Ramseys still in the house at 1am, at 1pm, sorry, in the afternoon. So how could they be there at 1pm if the house was cleared at quarter past 10 in the morning? Um, officers didn't even tape off John Bonnet's bedroom until around 10.30. This should have been done the minute they arrived because that was the last place she was seen. That is most likely the place she would have been taken from. So at 1pm, detective, the detective on the case told Fleet to take John and search the house. Off, uh, basically just to look for anything that was amiss. Um, she said that she'd done this just to keep John's mind busy really. He was pacing and she wanted to give him something to do to make him feel like he was helping. And she told him, as they always do in police searches, start at the top of the house, work your way to the basement. This is strange. Instead of listening to what the detective said, John and Fleet went straight to the basement and began searching there. John entered the wine cellar. And then he said that he turned on the light and he screamed, Oh my God, my baby. But I actually read that he screamed, oh my god, my baby, and then turned on the light. So, yeah, depending which way round he, that happened, whether he turned the light on first. 
changes this case really. So John Bonet's body was found with black duct tape covering her mouth, a cord around her neck that was attached to a wooden garret. It later turned out to be a paintbrush. A garret is basically um like a stick or something with string attached to it. So you hold one end, you hold the other end. And when you're strangling somebody, the um, stick or whatever makes it easier to tighten. It's not pleasant. And her hands were bound over her head in front of her. She was covered up by a light-coloured blanket. John ripped off the duct tape and tried to untie her hands. Now, the police should have stopped that straight away. He's, you know, messing with evidence. Um, Fleet ran upstairs and shouted to call for an ambulance and someone to call 911. I think he, he actually ended up making the call himself. I believe the detective told him to make that call. And while this was happening, John carried John Bonet's body upstairs. Again, the body shouldn't have been moved. And this is just rubbish police work. And she was placed on the floor. But then the detective moved her again into the living room in front of the Christmas tree. So now two people have moved the body. Two people have possibly contaminated evidence. And then they wonder why this is an unsolved case. The detective said that she kneeled beside John Bonnet and checked for breathing. Um, she wasn't breathing. And then she said that John kneeled beside her, put his face like right up against the detectives and said, is she dead? To which the detective replied, yes. Um, other sources say that John kneeled beside her, repeating, my angel. Patsy was carried over to John Bonnet because she was in so much shock. Um, it was said she then threw herself over John Bonnet's body. So again, this is third person to possibly contaminate evidence and to have touched the body. This annoys me, honestly. This case, I have been so angry, I have cried, I have been through every emotion with this case. So there is a lot of information to do with this case. So if you do, are you interested in this case? Definitely look it up for yourself because I'm not going to be able to cover everything because this would go on forever. So I'm going now I'm going to talk about the evidence and then I'll talk you through some theories. So we'll start off by discussing the autopsy. Now I have read the coroner's report and honestly this was like the hardest thing I think I've ever read. So the autopsy did conclude that she had suffered a blunt force trauma to her head. But they couldn't say what had caused this because obviously without a murder weapon they can't confirm. Um, she had also been strangled by the garret or ligature cord. Most of the time this is called a garret in this case because of the paintbrush. Um, but ligature is basically the same thing. Is a piece of string or rope or something that's used to strangle somebody. 
So there is a debate about which of these injuries came first. Most people believe that she was struck on the head first and that the strangulation was done 30 minutes to 2 hours after the head injury. And there is evidence of this. If John Bonet had been conscious during the strangulation, she would have clawed at her neck to try and release whatever it was that was strangling her. But there were no marks like from her nails on her neck. So this would point to that she was unconscious or, I don't know, already tied up, but then that doesn't make sense. I don't, I really don't know. There was also, with the garret, there was her hair found in the knot, which points to it being done, the knot being tied next to her head. So if somebody was conscious... This would be hard to do because you'd basically have to hold them down with one hand while tie a knot with the other hand and that's just, it was a complicated knot honestly. If you look up the pictures of this, it's not a knot you could do with one hand. So, so obviously yeah, there was no marks of her trying to fight back. Um, and there are people who also believe that the strangulation came first. But they say that this is because there was no blood around the skull fracture. And that she clearly must have been dead before the skull fracture for her not to bleed. But medical professionals have actually said this is pretty common for people to have skull fractures without any bleeding. And this does not point to strangulation coming first. There were... Two red marks found on her back that people have said could be caused by a stun gun. But I have actually watched a reenactment of this and they could not recreate these two marks using a stun gun. Like they were actually tasing, you know, a person. And it was said that this was meant to subdue her, but during the reenactment, the guy said it made his heart race, it made him more aware, if anything. And more lively, like he was like he screamed. He like this was a full grown man they tried this on. And he screamed and jumped off the bed thing. <coughs> I can't see this being used to subdue anyone. So the next debate that was never been solved is what caused the skull fracture. A torch was found in the kitchen of the Ramsey home. This was a large flashlight. Okay, I need to just say this. America's called it a flashlight. In the UK, we call it a torch. So when I was typing this, I've actually used torch and flashlight. So just know I'm talking about the same thing if I say torch or flashlight. The, fla uh, the family claimed that the flashlight did not belong to anyone in the house. The flashlight was checked for fingerprints, but was completely clean. Even the batteries inside the flashlight which battery surface is perfect for fingerprints and it'd be impossible unless you're wearing gloves or being extra careful to leave nothing on the batteries and then who puts batteries on top while wearing gloves it just doesn't make sense but there was no fingerprints even on the the batteries it was literally like the whole thing had been wiped clean including the batteries So Dr. Werner Spitz, Macomb County MI medical examiner who worked on the John Bonnet case, 
has demonstrated that you can place the end of a flashlight perfectly into her wound. However, he be it believes that the large end of the flashlight, so the bit with the actual bulb, um, would have been used rather than the handle, which was the original theory. And he he could demonstrate this how this um, injury would occur, but he couldn't do it without breaking the flashlight, and the flashlight wasn't broken. And I've actually watched a reenactment again of this. They had like recreated like John Bonet skull and it had like skin and stuff over it and hair and got a nine year old boy actually to hit the skull with a flashlight and it it did create the same fracture and that it didn't take that much force from the lad so the flashlight didn't look broken to me so maybe maybe it is possible maybe they need to look into that a little bit more there was also a baseball bat found, but the family again claimed it didn't belong to them. People have theorised this could be the murder weapon, but there's no evidence as this doesn't match the fracture. There's no blood or anything. Well, there wasn't any blood from the fracture. I didn't, there was nothing that links the baseball bat to this, apart from the family saying it wasn't theirs. I don't know. It was... It's a bit strange. Okay, this bit's a bit tough. So John Bonet's body was also show signs of sexual assault. The sexual assault was was caused by using the paintbrush. I'm I'm not going into details. Um, I'll just say the the evidence seemed very staged. Um. There was medical people that said that it seemed like whoever done it did it quickly and yeah, sort of took the time to make the sexual assault stand out. But yeah, if you want to know more about that, look it up online, but it is really hard to read, trust me. It's disgusting. Um... They also said that there was evidence of prior sexual assault, like, prior to the day she was murdered. Um, there was DNA found in her underwear as well. This because there's never, they've never found a match for this. Uh, it has been theorised that actually this could be transfer DNA, um, and actually nothing to do with the case. So that's quite interesting. I again watched, like, they opened a brand new packet of underwear and there was DNA on the un the brand new underwear that nobody had touched apart from obviously the workers who made them so maybe it is possible I suppose okay so now we'll get into the next piece of evidence which is the ransom note the ransom note was two and a half pages long which is incredibly long for a ransom note and it was actually written on paper from the Ramsey's home I believe it was actually from Patsy Ramsey's um, desk. I might be wrong that I didn't make a note of it, but I think I remember reading that. Um, so it means this was actually written in the home, which just doesn't make sense. It would have taken a long time, about two and a half pages, 
they actually found a couple of like first attempts at writing that had been like screwed up. Um, I watched a documentary where five people had to write the same ransom note by copying a photograph of the real ransom note, and it took them 21 minutes and 28 seconds to rewrite this note. Now that was copying it from a page. If you if this was an original, you'd have to think about what you were going to write. So it would take even longer. Plus, obviously, they attempted to write it a couple of times and screwed it up. So, um, I will read a little bit from the note. Uh, if I can find it, hold on. I thought. Oh, I thought I had it saved. Uh, I don't think I saved it. Oh, um. Okay, here we go. It says, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is saved and, and unharmed. And if you want to see her... I'm sorry, that's what, I read that wrong. And if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw 118,000 from your account. 100,000 will be in 100 bills and the remaining 18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attache to the bank. So obviously this there's actually a lot more. It gets really disgusting, some of the things they say, like about beheading her if this isn't done, um, like denying a proper burial, um, and that the gentleman's watching over her don't really like you it's it's a weird again look it up like it would take a while for me to read the whole thing look it up it's an interesting read so the ransom actually asked for 180,000 which is a weird amount because that's near enough what Mr. Ramsey John John Ramsey had received as his Christmas bonus from his job so this would point to somebody who knows him or works with him maybe As being the uh, uh, predator, or at least the person who wrote the note. So, um, so evidence of an intruder. Well, there was actually eleven people that had keys to the Ramsey house. I can't remember the name of the 11 people. I know obviously John and Patsy were on the list. And I think the Whites were as well. Um, the main interest was obviously the window that was broken in the basement. And could somebody have got through there? But the reenactment showed that yes, somebody could have got in. But not without massively disturbing the dust. Disturbing the cobwebs. 
the wall still were, you know, intact when John Bonet's body was found. Um, it just it didn't really make sense as the thing because it was actually they had to get in really awkward positions as well to get in and out of this window, and it would have been impossible without disturbing these cobwebs and or the dust on the windowsill. So there are other theories, like the Ramsey house was large, so obviously the intruder would need to know the layout of the house already, or have been in the house, to know their way around. So maybe while the Ramseys were at the White House, like somebody broke in, checked out the layout, and then learned where John Bonet's bedroom was, and learned where the wine cellar was, and... I don't know, spent some time learning the layout? This seems like a lot of effort. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to... I've never heard of a case where somebody's done that. So, the black duct tape was found on John Bonet. Um, was ripped both ends. This means it was from a, a roll of tape. But no tape was found at the house. Um... And the Ramsey said they did not own this tape. There were animal hairs, which really are believed to be beaver hairs, attached to the tape. Um, there was a footprint in the basement that couldn't be identified. A handprint on the wine cellar door. Also, a hair from a Caucasian, which if you don't know what Caucasian means, it means a white person, basically. Um, believed to be a pubic hair. Again, couldn't be confirmed, uh, and they don't know who it belonged to. So now we're on to the pineapple. If you remember, I said right at the beginning that pineapple and milk was John Bonet's favourite snack. During the autopsy, a piece of undigested fruit or vegetable matter was found in John Bonet's stomach. And this is believed to be pineapple. It is the right shape, size, consistency of pineapple. Which isn't, it was her favourite snack. But no pineapple was served at the meal they had at the White's house. And she had already digested the meal. So this means that the pineapple was eaten after the meal. Um, and probably, I think they went out like an hour or so before her injuries occurred. So the Ramses have said that John Bonet fell asleep in the car and went straight to bed while asleep. So when did she eat this pineapple? A bowl of pineapple milk was found on the dining room table, but it had only been half eaten, and with this there was a glass of, with a tea bag in it, like like a tea bit in a glass. I don't know if in America that's normal, in the UK it's definitely not normal, but then neither is pineapple milk, so... um. There were fingerprints found on the bowl and the spoon, and they belonged to Burke Ramsey and Patsy Ramsey. Patsy has said that she never made Burke pineapple and milk that night, and she doesn't know where that came from. During the, an interview, Burke was shown a picture of this pineapple and milk and tea, and asked what it was. He replied with, tea bag and a glass, and a bowl with something in it. Although it was clear it was pineapple, Burke couldn't say it was pineapple and milk. He he carried on to say it like fruit, 
and then like the interviewer had to sort of push him and say could it be pineapple and he would say oh he i think the the interviewer actually said cereal and Perk was like no it's too big for cereal as if he like knew what it was he just didn't want to say so i'm just going to discuss some of the theories there are loads on the internet these are kind of the main ones that are believed so john bonnet had half siblings from john ramsey's first marriage there's a little bit of evidence for her half brother his semen was found on a blanket in a su- in the suitcase under the broken window but he had a strong alibi so to be fair young lads you know they uh, like to have some private time really who's to say that semen was from that day um her half sister is believed to have been the person who left the handprint on the door but i couldn't actually find this confirmed anywhere this is just a theory people have but again, she also has an alibi, so it doesn't really make a lot of sense, this theory. Burke Ramsey is the next theory. Burke had previously hit John Bonet in the past, which I mentioned before with the golf club, leaving a small scar on her cheek. And this was apparently over something like silly, like a petty sibling argument that he'd hit her hard enough to scar her with a golf club. So this theory is that Burke was eating pineapple with milk when John Bonet stole a piece out of the bowl, but without touching the bowl or spoon. So you know, like, if any of you have young children or a bit of own young children, they will literally, like, run up and just put their hand straight in the bowl. They don't use cutlery. They would just grab it. And this is the theory that she just grabbed a bit of pineapple and ate it. This made Burke mad and that he hit John Bonet with the flashlight causing the fracture to her skull. Then his parents covered it up because, and staged the kidnapping and murder because they didn't want to lose Burke as well as John Bonet because they believed she was already dead. But obviously she wasn't because the strangulation is what killed her. So, um, so they staged all this like sexual assault and the strangulation and stuff so that it wouldn't be obvious what happened and after the 911 call that Patsy made she thought she'd hung up the phone but she didn't um I've listened to this 911 call so many times and people hear different things um there's definitely Patsy talking possibly John and possibly Burke. But John and Patsy Patsy said that Burke was asleep and that he didn't wake up until like later on when the police had arrived. So why'd they be talking to Burke? It kinda sounds like Patsy says like what did you do? And then like Jesus helped me or something and then like it sounds like a a kid's voice says what did you find it's very interesting because burke has done some interviews that i've watched 
with police where somebody said to him, do you know what happened to your sister, John Bonet? And he was like, yeah, I know what happened. But then when quizzed, he just doesn't say anything. And they asked him, do you have secrets? And he said, if I did, I wouldn't tell you because they're secrets. And the police never really pushed him on this anymore. He was, his interviews were very strange. He did an interview with Dr. Phil, I think it was like two years ago. And it was very strange. He was smiling the whole time. Especially when asked what his mum said when she found John Bonet missing. And he said she was running around screaming, screaming, my baby's gone. And this small smile turned into a massive grin. I don't know. He's just... People say he's just socially awkward and that, you know, he works from home and that's why he did all this. But I don't know. I just... I think this, he knows something. I'm not saying he did it, but I think he knows something. John Ramsey is another one of the theories, but this theory doesn't make a lot of sense to me. This theory is that he was sexually abusing John Bonet, hence the prior sexual abuse, um, and that he killed her to cover this up, but that doesn't match the evidence. There's no evidence of this, and it just seems unlikely. Unless, I don't know. Maybe she threatened to tell someone? But, I don't know. I don't see how he would get away with this with Patsy and Buck in the house. So there's a Patsy Ramsey theory that says she was annoyed because John Bonet wet the bed which actually I've looked into and can be a sign of like sexual abuse and that she'd lost her temper with John Bonet after John Bonet went to bed again and that her and John stage just looked like a kidnapping murder to save Patsy. This is a possible theory but the main base of this is that Patsy has complained about John Bonet wet in the bed so like other parents and to friends and stuff but I know lots of parents and yeah they complain but it doesn't mean they're going to kill their child it's not bedwetting isn't a major reason to kill your child so I don't know it's possible so there's the intruder theory that somebody broke in earlier in the day while they were at the White's house checking out the house learning the layout and probably writing the ransom note then hiding and coming back later and killing John Bonet. But this theory is again possible, but there's no evidence of this. There's no evidence of a break in. There's no, I don't know, no evidence of somebody being there earlier in the day. So there's the friendly intruder theory that somebody John Bonet knew broke in or gained access to the house, pretended to be Santa. So there actually had been a guy dressed as Santa at the Christmas party. Had apparently told John Bonet she was getting a special present from Santa. It turned out this guy was a bit obsessed with John Bonet. And actually the police did look into him but said that he was ruled out. <coughs> that it wasn't him. Maybe this intruder fed her pineapple. As trying to be friendly. And then maybe actually... Gently hurt her while trying to sexually abuse her. 
Oh, there is a theory this Garrett thing that uses is used during um sex games and that it was a sex game gone wrong. This kid was six years old for fuck's sake. Like no. This kid is can't consent anyway. But wouldn't consent to that. So it's not a game, is it? Um and then, or that he gained her trust and then killed her. But what would be the point in gaining her trust? It's a possible theory, but why would any intruder waste time like this? You know, the more time you're in the house, the more chance you have of getting caught. And it just doesn't make sense. So, anyway, calming down a bit. A man named John Mark Carr actually confessed to killing John Bonet ten years after her death. But police actually found him innocent. DNA evidence didn't match up any of his claims. He claimed to have drugged her, but no drugs were found in her system. He would only provide evidence that the police had been made public to the um made public to the public anyway, and wouldn't tell them how he gained access to the house. Some what he told the police was actually contradicting to the evidence. His handwriting was actually confirmed to be the writing of the ransom note, but it was later then unconfirmed by a different professional. So I don't know whether it ever actually did match the ransom note or not. I also saw that the ransom note could have been Patsy's handwriting. It's very similar. I don't know, not convinced. Police never charged him and believe he was obsessed with the case and that he had actually sent the Ramseys previously like long letters and would talk to professionals that were making documentaries about it. So there was something really weird I found and I was really confused by this for a while and I kept checking it out and double checking my research and the coroner's report puts the death of John Benet Ramsey at the 26th of the 12th 1996. This makes sense. She was found in the afternoon of that day. Um, she was last in at 10 o'clock the night before. The chances are she died on the 26th of the 12th, 1996. But her parents had the 25th, Christmas Day, put as her date of death on her headstone. Like, there may have been a logical reason for this, but it seems a bit odd to put her death as the 25th when you saw her at 10.45. So you're basically saying you know she died within one hour and 15 minutes of you seeing her. How would you know this? I'd I'd really like to know why her headstone says the 25th. When I really would believe she died on the 26th. Unless the parents know something we don't. Um, Patsy Ramsey actually died in 2006 of ovarian cancer and she was 49 uh burke ramsey has done an interview like with dr phil but since then not a lot he works from home doing computer software i did actually see that he i think it was sued cbs for a documentary they made where they accused him I don't know how that court case turned out or if that even is the real story. Um, so yeah, John Ramsey remarried in 2011 because obviously 
Patsy died in 2006. Um, but I couldn't find an overlot about his life now. So this case is still unsolved. And poor John Bonet hasn't had any justice. It is disgusting. A poor six-year-old girl died. And the police seriously fucked up this case. And it just... I think if the police work had been done better, then maybe this case would be solved right now. But it's not. So, yeah, there's a lot more information I've missed some out because this is already a longer podcast than normal. Um, so, yeah, look it up for yourself. Come on to the SSI True Crime Facebook page. Let me know your theories. If you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. Let me know your theories. Let me know what you think happened. Do you find any of this weird? Is there something I've missed out that you think is important to this case? Yeah, let me know what you think, guys. Uh, if you're on YouTube, I should give this a like. If you're on Anchor, you can like this as well. I think it's called an applause on there. Um, subscribe to me on YouTube. Um, my YouTube is SSI Hazel. Um, yeah, so, yeah, subscribe to me on Spotify, or wherever else, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you in the next podcast. Bye!